Is this chicken what I have or is this fish? What are you? An idiot sandwich. Idiot sandwich what? An idiot sandwich, Chef Ramsay. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you? Congratulations, you're a meathead, son. But you know what? Don't ever put your hands in my underwear. This is the lamb Where's the lamb yeah, I mean, you really don't make friends around here, do you? I, I didn't come here for that. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Snap Back to Reality, the podcast where we revisit the trash TV we grew up with and love to hate. I'm your host, Riley Ennis, and this is episode 70. Hi, everyone. I am very excited to be back on the mic for a solo episode and just talk to talk to all my good Judys one-on-one. Um, so first and foremost, let's do some housekeeping, some updates that I didn't want to give you last time because I had a guest, obviously. Um, so first and foremost, since I did not do fundraisers like I was going to when I planned on doing episodes throughout the entire year, um, I didn't do fundraisers for November and December. Um, I did donate in November to the Warnock and Ossoff campaigns um, because I was like, I, I gotta do something. Um, so what I'm going to do is still do one for January and hell, maybe February, March, probably February at least because that's Black History Month. So I should at least do one more. Um, so I will do January and February. So January is going to benefit the Angel B. Wilson Foundation. Um, this is an organization that was actually started by one of my classmates, one of the uh, students that I went to Paris when I was a senior in college with, Jerome Fulton Jr. He is just like an amazing guy. This is an amazing foundation that they provide scholarships to graduating seniors of Miami-Dade County Public High Schools that have lost a loved one to gun violence. Um, It's named in honor of his mother, and so it's just a really great thing that they're doing. So that's what I'm going to donate to for January, and then February, we'll see. If you have any ideas or any suggestions, definitely let me know. Um, Personal updates, I just wanted to talk about this for a little bit because this was wild. So I don't know, I'm sure people don't necessarily follow me on my socials, my Instagram and my TikTok, but... I went through a whole fucking thing in December with my former property management. So if you'll remember, if you're a longtime listener of the podcast, you'll remember that last year, last April, last May 2019, well, yeah, I guess last, last now that we're in 2021, but in April, May of 2019, I was sexually assaulted by a peeping Tom who was in my, um, like backyard for lack of a better term, like behind my apartment complex. Um, and so I tried to discuss that with the apartment complex property management and get them to send out a community notice, an alert to just let people know what was going on. They never did. I obviously didn't feel safe there. So I moved, um, and I hadn't heard from them since they never gave me my security deposit. They never said anything or followed up with me about what was going on or like, Hey, we let people know or whatever else, but I was just glad to be gone. So I was like, okay, I'm out. But What happened was at the beginning of December, they sent me a bill for $14 that they claimed was from damages from the move-out inspection. And so I responded back, and I was basically just like, this is not true. I do not have a bill. Like, send me an itemized bill explaining what this is from, what this is for. And also, while I have you, since you've contacted me, since it's impossible for me to get back, uh, hear back from anyone, I want to know what's been going on about the sexual assaults that have been happening there. And so I also, like, left a voicemail and I screen recorded it and I posted it on TikTok and that went kind of viral. So that was exciting. Um, So I heard from a lot of people who also were... Uh, residents at Dasman Properties because it's like a 
countrywide property management company. They're based in New York and they have um, properties like all over the country. So it was people from, you know, Alabama, from California, just like random ass places all over the place that had also been sent random bills months or years after they had moved out uh, within the past couple of weeks. Not only that, I also met someone who literally was my neighbor. Like she was actually the person who the peeping Tom was standing, like the person whose porch the peeping Tom was standing on. She saw my TikTok. She saw it when it only had a couple thousand likes at that point too. So she saw it when it was like really not viral yet, which is crazy. And we like linked up and we are looking into, you know, legal action. I don't know if that's actually ever going to pan out, but I did end up what happened was after I received a response back from them that said it wasn't damages from the move out, it was a water bill now, um, and they claimed that they I had been invoiced for it, I once again asked them to provide proof of that because I knew that wasn't true. And I didn't hear back from them, so I filed a complaint with the North Carolina Attorney General's office, and they immediately sent them an email that was like, hey, a complaint's been filed against you, we need your side of the story, like please respond within 15 days. Um, and then I didn't bother following up again because I was like, all right, cool. The attorney general's on it. So 15 days passed. And this was like all over the holidays too. So like they didn't respond. Fifteen, The 15th day was literally Christmas Eve, I think. So the next week, I guess they gave them, you know, a few extra days because of the holidays. And then the next week they responded back and they were like, we never received your response. It's been past 15 days. You need to like get back to us ASAP. Um, and I don't know what the actual threat is behind that, like what the attorney general's office can do if they don't respond. But all I know is that the next day I had a voicemail from Triangle Place Properties saying that I had uh, no balance on my account. I was in good standing. There was no debt and it had been an accounting error. So anyway, I also let the girl that I had um, linked up with know and she also filed one, a complaint with the attorney general. So I need to actually check in with her and see if her, uh, her bill that she also had, because not only she had been, you know, like, she had had the peeping Tom on her porch too. She had a bunch of other stuff that had gone on uh, while she was there. She also like didn't have her security deposit back. And then a few days after we connected, actually, then she got the bill from Dasman saying that she owed like 30 something dollars and she had moved out, you know, a year prior. So that all happened. That was very exciting that I fought back and I won. So there are updates and stuff on my TikTok. Uh, it's at Riley said so. Also, I updated my Instagram, so that is now my handle now on Insta, at Riley Said So. It's just easier, you know, consistency across social media platforms, and I like it better than Really Riley. I was Really Riley, you know, in, like, high school and college, and I'm a different person now, so Riley Said So. Um, what else? Okay, one more update on my personal life before we'll get into this whole thing. What I'm doing, I'm actually recording from my high school bedroom. It looks nothing like it did in high school because my parents swiftly turned it into a guest room as soon as I moved out. But I'm currently at my parents' house in South Carolina and either this afternoon or tomorrow, depending on when we get the moving truck, my brother is going to pack up and we are going to set across on a country drive, a cross-country drive. Uh, my brother got a job in Portland, Oregon. Well, technically a suburb of Portland, Oregon. Um, so we're moving out there. Well, I'm moving him out there and then I have to fly back. So yeah, we're going to be in the car for like three days. We'll see how that goes. I'm hoping that it'll be a pretty smooth, easy drive, but who knows? We're going to be on the road when the, um, inauguration happens. So again, who knows what's going to happen? I'm really praying that we're just not like stranded in Nebraska for any reason. Um, and we'll see. And then I have to fly back from Portland to South Carolina and then drive back up to North Carolina all on that Sunday. 
So it's going to be an exhausting week, but hopefully I think it'll be a good time, a lot of memories for the future. Yeah, I'm excited. But that's what I'm going to be doing for the next week. So hit me up on Instagram or something because surely I will be bored. All right, you guys, let's get into it. So we are going to be talking about a show today called Armed and Famous. I was inspired to talk about this because I think I'm pretty sure it was because I saw a TikTok. Um, I saw a video of celebrities being tased with no explanation, no context. And I was like, I need more. So I think the comment said this was from Armed and Famous. I looked it up. I found it on YouTube. I watched it. I'm excited to talk about this. Obviously, I have no background about like with this myself because I didn't know it existed until a few weeks ago. So we'll just get into the show's background instead. So this premiered on CBS in January 2007. It was broadcast on CBS for CBS for four episodes, and then it was pulled from the network. Broadcast rights were shifted to VH1. Um, there were six episodes in the series. All six aired on VH1. Uh, so there were two, you know, that never aired on CBS. Um, based on my research, it appears that there may have been a seventh episode that was also shot, but it was never edited. Um, it was obviously never broadcast, so who knows. As far as what I watched on YouTube, there were only four episodes, and it definitely seemed like the fourth, the fourth episode very much seemed like the end, so I don't know if it was just they could only find episodes one, two, three, and six, or it was truly just one, two, three, and four, and it just happened to work out as an ending because that's when the CBS run got pulled. I'm not sure, but it is available on YouTube, at least four of those episodes. And the series follows five celebrities as they train to become reserve police officers with the Muncie, Indiana Police Department. So they have to go through training, and then once they graduate, they go on patrol with veteran officers. And the celebrities involved are Eric Estrada, the actor from Chips, um, which was a show from like the 70s, I think, 70s or 80s. I think it was like the late 70s, maybe into the early 80s. Um, about the California Highway Patrol. So he was like, he played a cop on TV. Um, the fabulous Latoya Jackson, who the more I watch her, the more in love with her I fall. I like really just, I wish I had recognized Latoya Jackson for the icon that she is eight years ago when I was first like seeing her as a guest judge on RuPaul's Drag Race or wherever she's been. Um, it also had Jack Osborne from the Osbournes. It took me like an episode and a half to realize that's who he was because he looks completely different. He's like, you know, it's after he lost a bunch of weight and he is not wearing his glasses. So he just looks different than like the iconic image of him that I have. Um, and then it has uh, Trish, Trish Stratus. She's a professional wrestler. I didn't know who she was until I had to look her up. Um, and then Jason Acuna, a.k.a. Wee Man from Jackass. So... Um, that was everyone who was involved, and then other than that, there wasn't a lot of background on the show itself. No spinoffs or anything, unfortunately. As far as controversies go, there was a lawsuit. Um, Lindsay Clemens, who was 22, she filed a lawsuit in March of 2007 claiming that her home was wrongfully entered and she was questioned about people she did not know. Um, so she basically claims, like, an illegal search, violation of her constitutional rights. So footage appeared on January 11th on the show, included scenes showing police outside her apartment, rushing in, and then someone in handcuffs. Um, and she says that Latoya Jackson and Jack Osborne were involved in this situation. So that's kind of interesting. I don't know how the lawsuit panned out. There was no response there. So we'll see. Or I guess we won't see. Never mind. 
All right, so let's get into the recap. So this is episode two. Uh, it's called The Cats of Muncie. They have it out for me. So we get a little, you know, Chiron, I guess, on the screen that says, The Place, Muncie, Indiana. And then five Hollywood celebrities came to town to become actual police officers. So it goes through the celebrities. Um, we go over the fact that they had to train at the police academy before they were sworn in. We see some scenes of them. And so this, in the first episode when they were training, is when we see them getting shot by tasers. So I'm just going to go over that a little bit, even though it's not in this episode, because it's really funny. Um, so yeah, they have to train, they have to get tasered. And so they could choose either to have the prongs just like attached to them, um, and then they get, you know, the taser gets fired, the, the voltage gets fired or whatever, or they could actually have the taser like shot, like the prongs like shot from afar into them. And so obviously that's more painful because it just like, I think the other one is like, it just clips like alligator clips onto you as opposed to it like sticks into your body and then electrocutes you. Um, so two notable things from that is that one, Trish Stratus fucking chose to get shot by the taser. She was like, yeah, I know. I want to, I want the real experience. Like if you're going to taser a criminal, you're not, he's not going to sit there while you put the alligator clips on him. You're going to shoot him. So I want to know what that feels like, um, which is badass. And then Latoya Jackson again is just like her taser. She got tasered and she like sank to the floor so gracefully. She's like, oh, oh. And she just like fell over and just like just sank. Uh, it was very graceful and, and beautiful, and it was just a classic LaToya. I love her. So we opened the actual episode with Eric Estrada and his partner, who is identified as Officer Brown. They get a call. Um, dispatch says someone threatened to kill someone else, so they're, they're off. Eric has a little talking head here where he says that he does not like abuse, and he's glad that he's in uniform and he can go do something about it. So they arrive at someone's home. Um, officer Brown, who is Eric's partner, is a woman police officer. So she says that she wants him to handle the man and she'll take the woman. The woman is apparently named Diana. So they get there. Diana kind of leans out from her balcony and says that Donald's there. I guess Donald is, is the man, the abuser, um, and that he's still up there. So Eric and Officer Brown head into the apartment. They cuff Donald, they take him out, and he is wasted. He's like obviously very drunk. And so as they're walking away, Donald, Donald realizes who Eric Estrada is, and he says that he looks good. He's like, oh, yeah, man, you look nice. Um, and then he says that he's a very nice police officer and that he likes him. <laughs> and so Eric, you know, asks him about the situation. I guess Diana has also come outside to join them, and um, Donald gets a little riled up that she's out there. So Eric's like, Donald, Donald, comply, Donald, which is funny. And then uh, Diana says that he's done this very many times before, and this time it didn't hurt. However, he did threaten to kill her and her son, which is concerning, ma'am. Like, even if he didn't hurt you, that's like, oh, I don't know. That's very concerning. So he gets arrested. Eric arrests him for threatening bodily harm and forces him into the back of the police cruiser. Eric says that Diana will be filing charges, and then he tells... <laughs> He tells her to live your life as an example of what not to get involved with, not to let any man hit you, love yourself, and don't let anybody mistreat you. And so here he goes from, like, a police officer into, like, I don't know, LPC, Counselor Estrada, whatever. So I guess this was just, like, the little stinger, because at this point we get the theme, the theme song, the theme song moment, the opening credits, um, the theme song is very catchy. I quite enjoy it. So look that up if you haven't. 
And then we opened back up with Muncie, Indiana Police Station. Um, so yeah, that truly was just like a little stinger moment because now they're about to go back on patrol. So we have a voiceover tells us at 6 p.m. the celebrity, celebrity cops are about to hit the street for the second time ever. So at 6.09 p.m., shit really starts popping off immediately, I guess. Um, the little Chiron says there's a burglary in process and Trish and her partner, I think is Officer Temple, uh, pull up and they start running over to the scene. So Temple, her partner, I guess just catches the guy immediately because all of a sudden we see Trish just like run up on him who's like on the ground, tackled the guy. Um, and so she contributes by telling the perp to <laughs> look at the screen door he busted. Just like, look at that. Look at what you did. Just like to shame him for for hurting the screen door. I think the guy is saying that he didn't do anything to the door, but he's like slurring his words or he has some kind of thick redneck accent and he's getting bleeped out a lot. So I can't really tell exactly what he's saying, but Trish is getting pissed off by all the profanity. So he resists a little bit. He gets tackled back down. He laughs at it. Um, just FYI, this man is white, so he doesn't get shot, of course. Um, Trish tells him to shut his mouth. She's like, you know, yelling at him because that's all she can really do right now because he's being tackled by her partner. And she says in her talking head that she's becoming more confident and assertive and that she feels like she knows her role out there really well. Um, <laughs> I... I don't like Trish very much because of how well she takes to being a cop. Like she really settles into her role and I feel like she has this sense of superiority. And so in my notes here, I was like really shady. Uh, I said, yeah, she really takes to being a cop, like a fish to water or a pig to mud as it were. I'm a little bitchy. Um, so yeah, like she, I mean, like she taunts the guy through the window of the police cruiser where he's like yelling at her. He's like, oh, well, you're going to be spending the night in jail. Like at that point, it's not productive. He's already arrested. He's already in the cruiser. He already knows he's going to jail. Jail. <laughs> Who am I? Amber from Teen Mom. He already knows that he's going to jail. Like don't, don't keep yelling at him. You don't need to do that. That's not your job. So then we're at, um, it's 7.45 p.m., we are following Wee Man and, well, Officer Acuna and his partner, Officer Odell. I don't know if, like, can I call him Wee Man? I think he refers to himself as Wee Man and his, uh, his partner calls him Wee Man, like, several times. But it feels kind of rude to call him that outside of a jackass context, so I don't know. Um, but I will, I think I'm going to continue to call him Wee Man since that's what he's referred to. Um, so he says in his talking head that they get a call about shoplifting at the mall. It seems strange to me that, like, the town police department officers are called in, like, from off-site for a mall shoplifting incident. That seems like that should be handled by the mall cops. Maybe Muncie, Indiana doesn't have mall cops, but I don't know. So, he says that one of the alleged perps is wearing a blue hat. So, we see some footage of him in the aisles of some random department store. They, they see a woman in a blue hat, and he calls after her, saying that they want to talk to her. So she, her face is blurred, which is funny because a lot of these people's faces are not blurred. Um, I guess like there's like, I think three throughout the entire episode, um, who actually like, I guess don't give permission to have their face shown. And they're just like, no, you can't blur me out. Like, <laughs> of course not. Of course I don't want to be shown on TV. Uh, so good for her. So she's like, why do you want to talk to me? And she just starts walking away. And so she keeps walking away. She keeps walking away. Wee Man's following her. But of course, because he's a little person, if you don't know who he is, that's who he is. Like, that's what he's known as. It's 
the little person on the Jackass crew, I guess, is kind of his claim to fame. Um, he, like, has to, you know, really, like, work to keep up with her. Um, so he's, like, following her, telling her to stop, and says that they've been called there on suspicion of robbery. She says, you know, you're wrong. And then uh, she gets, like, bothered by him following her. So she says, um, she, like, asks around for someone to call the real police. And he's like, we are the real police. So then Officer Odell, his partner, steps in and tells her that if she doesn't talk to them, she's going to be arrested for disorderly conduct, which is not, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I know my rights somewhat, but not like all the way. And I guess if a cop asks you to stop, do you have to talk to them? I know that like if they don't arrest you, you can be like, am I free to go? And they have to like let you go if they can't arrest you. But if you just refuse to speak with them, does that, con- is that considered disorderly conduct? But anyway, at that point, he tells her she's under arrest and we, he tries to have Wee Man cuff her. Um, I agree that she like, they have no grounds to arrest her. Like they have no proof of her shoplifting. They can't prove that this is the woman that was allegedly shoplifting. She has not been disorderly. The only thing that she's done is refuse to speak to the cops. Uh, she asks why she's being arrested because she hasn't been disorderly. Like I said, uncooperative, yes, but disorderly, no. Um, also, I, her, although her face is blurred, you can see her skin tone and she is a black woman as compared to last scene when it was a white man. Um, so this does reek of some like over-policing bullshit. Like why were off-site police officers called in for alleged shoplifting? Anyway, um, they get her outside. She asks Wee Man if he's a real cop and <laughs> he's like, you know, he's like, yeah, of course I'm a real cop. She's like, yeah, but like, do you see what I'm saying? And it's like, yeah, because if, the the little person from Jackass showed up in a police office, officer uniform and tried to arrest me and tells me that I'm under arrest with, like, cameras following him. I would absolutely not believe that he was a real cop. Like, sorry about it. And so then the other officer, Odell, condescends to her, talking about how if she hadn't run away and made a scene, she wouldn't have been arrested, which is fucking bullshit. Um, it's really gross. And then afterwards, uh, Wee Man and Odell like fist bump in their car and they, they pat themselves on the back for like what a great job they do and how good they are at being police officers. I hate it. So then the next scene we get, um, it says it's 7.50 p.m. They are going to be investigating a car break-in. It's officers Jackson and Kessler. So Latoya, my fave. So Latoya tells us in a talking head that they have a call about a car break in a couple blocks away and um, her partner, Officer Kessler, who is another woman, they um, look out at the car that was apparently broken into on the street. They just like, we're like, there, that's it, which I don't know how they know that. Maybe the the doors were open or the window was busted, but not that I could tell. Um, And then they go to the house because I guess it's just parked in front of a house. I guess that's how they know whose car it is uh, to go talk to the owners. So... Officer Kessler knocks on the windows like some freak instead of the door. I would be freaking the fuck out if someone started knocking on my windows in the middle of the night. Um, The homeowners come to the door and LaToya informs them that their car has been broken into. And the woman in the couple is immediately pissed. And she like yells out, fuck, and like, like walks away, I guess, to like go look at the car. She's super mad. And the man is just standing there like, he's like, again? And Latoya is like, oh, has it been broken into before? And he's like, oh, yeah. So they look at the car. They look around to see if there's anything missing. And the man says there is a red lighter that's missing. A red lighter. 
so at this point I'm like like a Bic lighter or like maybe like a I mean even if it's one of those bigger like long stemmed candle lighters or anything like that like that's not a big deal if that gets stolen from your car you know that's like pocket change so Latoya and Officer Kessler go off to search the neighborhood for the lighter um, and I have no idea how they think that they're going to find the person who did this but they they do I guess <laughs> So they pull up on this man who's walking down the street. Uh, he has his hands in his pockets. So they say that he is suspicious. So they like jump out of the car and they tell him to take his hands out of his pocket. And he looks very just like nervous. And he like, you know, does the hands up, don't shoot me kind of gesture. Um, and so I have mixed feelings about this moment. I'm, you know, I'm multifaceted. We can, cont- we can contain multitudes. So on one hand, fuck the police, like in overall, fuck the police, you know, that's kind of like the overarching feeling, um, like fuck them for just running up on this guy who's just walking down the street in the middle of the night and like scaring the shit out of him for like nothing, for no, a suspicion of what, um, and all that, like police resources, we're gonna spend time looking for a Bic lighter, but on the other hand, um, I kind of love these two women, two ladies, one of whom is a black woman holding power over this like obviously nervous white guy. It's like, I really love to see this like power dynamic at play. Um, oh, I forgot to mention, <laughs> I forgot to mention this at the top. Um, I watched Promising Young Woman a few weeks ago, not a few weeks ago, Jesus, a few days ago. It was so good. It's like my new favorite movie, just the power dynamic, how it's flipped. Um, incredible just everything about it really is like, I love the ending. It's going to be, it's a controversial ending, but I actually really loved it. Um, the cinematography, the, the costuming, everything is just like gorgeous. So love it. Highly recommend. So anyway, that's why I have mixed feelings about this moment. I'm just going to be honest about it, but ultimately, you know, fuck the police. Um, because that's like the systematic, like, well, I mean, but the patriarchy is systematic too. Like I said, I'm mixed. I'm mixed on it. So they tell him that they're going to pat him down for weapons. Um, he lets them know that he has a knife in his pocket. So Latoya like reaches in to like slide it out, get it out of the way. And so she slides it out along with a red lighter, which literally is a red big lighter. So homeboy here claims that he didn't break into anyone's car and I mean, like, yeah, this is reasonable doubt. It's a red lighter. It's not like it's his diamond encrusted lighter from, you know, his great great grandfather who passed it down. Like, it's a red lighter that maybe the gas station down the road only has red lighters and everyone in the neighborhood has a red one. Um, so the car owner's like, well, I'm positive that's my lighter. Like, how, bitch? Did you measure the exact amount of lighter fluid that was left inside of it and compare? How? So LaToya tells the man with the lighter <laughs> that he's going to jail over a lighter. Um, and he's like, for what, may I ask? And she says, for theft. I literally could get this man off in court and I'm not even a lawyer. Like, there is no case here. Uh, but he gets put into the back of the cruiser. Um, and then LaToya gets, like, into him, yelling at him for lying at her. And he's, like, you know, arguing back. I don't really know why the celebrity cops are super into, like, yelling at the people. But that's what they seem to do. And so then she has a little talking head. And she has a little interview to camera, an on-scene camera interview. Basically just talking about how hard it is to go out there and see people breaking the law every day. And she calls them menaces to society. And literally, he took a lighter. If he took anything, I don't, I don't even believe that he took it because he agreed to have his face on TV. So he's like, no, I'm innocent. So that just, it doesn't matter. 
But she said that the next day they have to go back, or sorry, not the next day. The next thing that they have to do (laughs) is go back to the house and take a report of the missing lighter. So then we get a moment. LaToya opens the door. We get dramatic music. Zoom in. It's a house cat. (laughs) A cute little kitty. Um, LaToya gasps and she jerks herself back from the door. She books it away from the house. Um, I guess Officer Kessler is like yelling at her. She's like, are you going to come in? And LaToya is like, no, I'm not coming in. So she runs back to the car. She has to chill out in the cruiser for a little bit. And so she tells us that she was attacked by a cat So she still has a fear of them. So she is just like sitting there in the car. The homeowner comes out and she carries the cat over to the car. LaToya like freaks out. She locks the door and she like turns away from her. And the woman is being a bitch. Like this is, are you against the cops? Like the cops are trying to help you with your car breaking and missing lighter. But she's like traumatizing LaToya, like torturing her with this cat over at the car window. So LaToya like turns away. The woman's laughing. And so she says in a talking head, LaToya does, I'm not afraid of snakes or dogs, but if you are, just imagine a snake being out there or, or a tiger. <laughs> She's so cute. Um, so then her partner, Officer Kessler, has to like grab something out of the car. So she opens the like driver's side door to reach in and get something and LaToya freaks out again. And she's like, no, 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 please don't let her over here. Don't let that woman come over with a cat. Um, and Kessler's laughing at her. She's like, I'm not, I just have to get something. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Latoya's freaking out and then she has a talking head and she says um I can truly say that the cats of Muncie they have it out for me and so that's where the episode uh, the episode title comes from so very fun all right so 8 p.m officers Estrada and Brown Brown is going over some paperwork that they need to fill out. They're just like sitting in their cruiser talking over like over the forms when a woman, like a little old lady, um, comes up and knocks on the window of the cruiser. And I actually realized on the second time that I was watching this that you can actually see her pull up in the car behind them and get out and like start walking over. Um, so Eric's very sweet, <laughs> but he's like, oh, well, come on. You shouldn't be sneaking up on police officers like that, ma'am. And she just says that she loved him on ships. She's a big fan. She asks if he'll do her a favor. And he says, of course. So she giggles and she asks him to sign her boob. So he's very confused. <laughs> um, she repeats herself, asks, her to sign his, or asks him to sign her boob. And then she pulls out a little chicken cutlet bra insert thing from the inside of her shirt. Um, I took a When I took a better look at it, I think it actually might be like an entire replacement boob, like from a a mastectomy or something, like an insert. And it's not so much just like the little chicken cutlets that you put in to like push up your your boobs. But anyway, he signs it. It says Kathy or to Kathy, real nice boob with hearts around it. And she leaves very happily. All right. Now we're about to get into my least favorite segment, I think, that happens in this entire episode. So get ready for me to bitch real hard. It's 10.20 p.m. Uh, we're following officers Stratus and Temple, who already I told you I don't really like. And it's on um, suspect of prostitution. So let's get ready for some sex work shaming. So they get a call on the radio for prostitution. They say it's a white female, black hair. Temple, a man, chuckles to himself just like, over that just the fact that they they have a call for prostitution I don't know why that's funny whatever um and then Trisha says oh a lady of the night all like mockingly 
Temple says that he wants to catch her in the act, um, which is, I don't know why, like other, other than just like wanting to make sure that you have proof, but it doesn't seem like that. So they pull up on a red truck and Temple opens the door and they like yell at the man to get out. Um, this man also has his face blurred. So there's at least him and that other lady. I think, yeah, there's one more person at the end. Um, and then a woman gets out of the truck after him and they force both of them to put their hands on the truck. So Trisha handcuffs the woman and she's saying that the man was just dropping her off at a friend's house and she's, you know, playing it cool. She's like, no, he just dropped me off at a friend's house. Like, you know, we were talking for a bit and he, Trisha's like, well, then why were his pants unbuckled? And she's like, I don't know why his pants were off. He just dropped me off at my friend's house. We were just talking. It's like, yeah, plausible deniability. Um, and so then, and then we see Temple over on the other side of the truck talking to the man. And he's like, well, what's going on? And the man just says, oral for 20. Just a fuck men, fuck men, fucking men. They could have both just gotten away with it. Just, you know, gone about their day. There's no substantial proof of the crime. All they did was open the a door and two people were sitting in the front of a truck. Like, it's very common that two people ride in a truck together. Um, but no, he fucking confessed. So... Temple gives the man, I guess, a ticket with a court date on it. And then he goes over to talk to the woman. And he tells her that she's going to jail for prostitution. And so she's like, what? No way. Um, And Temple says, you're a prostitute and you're going to jail. And just like, it's, I really, I hate it so much. Because she says, you know, I'm not, how can you sit there and say that? I'm not prostituting. He's like, well, I didn't say you were the smartest prostitute in the world. And I really want to fucking deck him. So, uh, at this point, Trisha reaches into her pockets when I don't, again, I don't know my rights. I need to like learn them better, but I, I like in parentheses, I was like illegal search and seizure, question mark, question mark. Like I'm, I'm going to find this woman like legal representation 14 years after the fact, because I'm so angry. So she pulls out a $20 bill and she's like in her talking head, she's like, ha ha, there we go. $20. And so the woman's like, well, that's my 20, but apparently that's enough evidence. Again, all you need is one one very common item on your possession, like a red Bic lighter or a $20 bill. And in Muncie, Indiana, that's enough to get you fucking sent to jail if someone claims that, that you stole it from them or that you were prostituting for that amount of money. So Trish is just like too happy about this. Um, and then they pull away and Temple's like, ooh, you're so getting charged with prostitution. It's just like, fuck you. I, I truly hate him. Like, why did the woman get taken to jail when the man is the one who confessed, for one thing, and the woman's like, no. A man could be lying just to throw her under the bus. We have no proof. Why didn't he get taken to jail? Why are the women treated harsher than the men, the Johns in this situation? I have a lot of complaints. I mean, I have a lot of complaints about how sex work is treated and criminalized in our society in general, even if it's not fully out, like, criminalized, like, full service sex work. It's stigmatized. It's made incredibly different to do, or difficult to do safely via FOSTA, SESTA. Anyway, um, let's move on. So... (laughs) I'm obviously getting a little bit too spicy thinking about all of this. So it's the next day. The voiceover tells us that police officers risk their lives together so the celebrity cops have to get to know their partners and fast. So we have a few different scenes of the cops and their partners hanging out and getting to know one another. We start with Eric Estrada and his partner. They go over to a spa to get pedicures. And so Eric says in his talking head, 
Turns out my partner and I like the same things, busting bad guys and getting pedicures. They have a weird conversation while they're here. So his partner is a woman. She's very beautiful. Um, and so Eric's like getting his hands massaged by the the nail tech, I guess, and talking to his partner about how hot she is. I don't exactly know what the conversation is saying. So Eric is implying, I guess, like he asked her if it's if it's ever hard to be a police officer looking like she does. I'm not sure what he means there, like because of the criminals or because the co-workers are assholes. Um, and she's like, oh, no, it's fine. I'm just one of the guys. But Eric's like, oh, no, you're definitely not one of a guy or like you're definitely not a guy. It's just like gross shit. So then we get kind of a cute segment <laughs> as far as like these go. Um, where we're at a skate park and Wee Man and his partner Odell are bonding. And Odell's like this older white guy, maybe like in his like 40s. And that's not really older, but like he's older than Wee Man is. Um, so this is hilarious just to see. And he's kind of like, you know, I came because Wee Man asked me to and, and that's my partner and that's what you do for your partner. So Wee Man, you know, says that not only is he on Jackass, like that's what everyone knows him from, but he's also a professional skater, which... I did not know that he was a professional skater, but that makes sense. Like, I think a lot of the jackass crew, they're like skateboarders, right? Bam, bam is jackass and skateboarder. I don't know. <laughs> what am I, what am I saying? Um, so then Wee Man teaches Odell how to skate because Wee Man is like very good. We see him like showing off. Odell keeps falling down, but he has a good attitude about it. So it's cute. And Wee Man calls them bros and that they genuinely like each other. And Odell says, I may be a good cop, but I'm a horrible skateboarder. <laughs> and I was just like, there's no such thing as a good cop. And then also, because I wrote these notes, I started taking these notes, like, a few days after the attempted coup on our nation, January 6th, on the Capitol. Whew, yeah. Um, I was like, maybe the only good cop is the man who, like, distracted the crowd from the Senate chambers. Because that actually is a heroic thing to do. So then the next scene we get is LaToya. So she is at this little tiny corner grocery store. She says that it's her day off and she wants to do something nice for her partner. So she is going to cook dinner. So we see her wandering around the aisles, looking confused, looking lost. She looks so much like her brother Michael in this shot. Um, just I think it's because she's wearing aviator sunglasses and they have very similar like bone structures. And, you know, there's just like that that iconic those iconic images of Michael Jackson and his aviators but she just like the family resemblance is very much there um and she's inside so it's like funny to see her wearing sunglasses inside so she says in her talking head that she doesn't really cook uh she usually has someone cook for her or she goes out to dinner but she thinks that she can do it so she's looking around she asks one of the people who works there if they have capers and the woman says no um, she's like, oh, well, do you have caviar? And she's like, no, no, this is just a small little store. She's like, okay, well, do you have champagne? And the woman says, no, they don't even carry alcohol there at all. So Latoya's like, okay, I'll make pasta. It's like, what was your first, what were you going to do with caviar's caper and champagne first? So at the checkout line, she like gets all of her stuff for, um, her pasta. And the clerk tells her that the total is $40. So this is kind of an interesting moment here. So LaToya makes a comment on how cheap that is. And I don't know how much she bought for $40. Like pasta is not that expensive. The sauce is not that expensive. So maybe she got some like extra vegetables and, and meats and things to like 
you know, bump it up a little bit. But she comments on how cheap it is. And then there's a man behind her who's like, well, around here we call that expensive. So it's just like an interesting, an interesting like slice of life and juxtaposition of these celebrities and how their lives are different from the people that they're policing right now, which I don't think they really go into depth at all. And I mean, this is just a shitty reality TV show and not actually anything with any kind of like social commentary. So of course they wouldn't. But like, this is like the only moment where I think they really brush up on it even. So then the next scene is LaToya going over to her partner's house. Um, Kessler, I guess her first name is Amy. So we'll call her Amy in this scene since it's casual and they're just at home. So Amy opens a door and we see a husband and at least one kid. And I was like, is LaToya Jackson really going to cook this family a meal? Like this entire family a meal when she like doesn't know how to cook. But she gets started. Um, And so as she's like getting started, Amy asks her if this is something that she does often. And LaToya's like, oh no, I never cook. (laughs) So just imagine that. Just imagine like being like, your partner uh on on your job your your co-worker is like you know I want to get to know you better I want to do something nice for you can I come into your home and cook your family a meal and you're like oh my goodness yes and so they like come in they get started you're like oh so like is this something that you would do do you make this dish a lot and they're just like no no I've actually never cooked before and you're like then you're gonna have me try it for the first time um so they talk uh they talk about how when LaToya first met her she thought that she was a bitch. She doesn't say bitch because LaToya Jackson would never call someone a bitch because she's a sweet angel, but she thought that she was kind of mean. So we see like a flashback, I guess, to the other night or maybe to like the first episode. Um, Just some unseen footage of Amy setting down some ground rules and some boundaries, which is actually very healthy. So can't complain about that. Um, But LaToya says that after 10 minutes, she decided that she liked her because that's what healthy boundaries are about. It's not about being a bitch. It's about like, you know, establishing healthy dynamics in a relationship so that you can have like a relationship where you like one another. Um, So Amy explains to LaToya that, you know, I have to be stern at first so that I can discipline you if you're doing something wrong that's going to end up with you hurt. But then once you start getting the hang of it and I can trust you, the actual friendship can start to develop. So they all sit down to dinner. Um, We see that uh, Amy's husband is Officer Chris Kessler. So he's also on the police force. (laughs) Their kids have two cops' parents, like two cops' parents. Just that seems rough. Um, can't get away with fucking anything growing up. Like, try and, try and be a teenager smoking pot in that household. Although the cops probably smoke pot at home. Like, fucking everyone does. So LaToya also asks that they have a prayer before they eat. And so she says grace. And it's very sweet. And that's that. And I guess bonding time is over. Because the next scene we get, we're just back on patrol with officers Kessler and Jackson again. So it's 7.50 p.m. We are, um, we see that the screen says that it's a robbery so dispatch says that it's a white female she was caught trying to get into the cash register at a bar and I guess she just threw it outside and then went back inside because that's what they see when they arrive like they get to the bar they look around there are just like wads of cash thrown against like a telephone pole outside I guess because she wanted to dispose of the evidence and Latoya's like oh this is over a hundred dollars so they pick it up They walk back into the bar, and then the next thing we see is them just walking a woman out of the bar, and she's like, oh, please don't take me to jail. I have so many questions about what this woman's motivation was. I don't know if she's intoxicated or what, but yeah, why would you steal some money, 
throw it away, and then go back to where you stole the money from and just, like, chill until the cops show up. Um, so Latoya asks why she took money out of the register. She also asks the woman if she's been drinking, which, I mean, she's at a bar, but the woman says no, but who knows. Um, she says that she hasn't been drinking, she hasn't been doing any drugs, and the reason that she took the money was because she, she's homeless. And so that's, like, okay, now this is a moment where it's, like, okay, let's, let's look at, like, the deeper problems in our society and what can we do for people to prevent it from getting to this point like this woman didn't have to commit a crime but her life just you know all of her moments in her life led up to this point where she felt like this is the only way that she could and then Latoya Jackson like low-key shames her for stealing instead of like asking for help and I want to ask Latoya in this moment and I you know of course I'm going to give her a lot of grace because I love Latoya but Girl, you don't know what the the community resources are like here in Muncie, Indiana. If they pour so much fucking resources into the police department that you can spend time investigating a stolen Bic lighter, like, they probably don't have a lot of money left over for things like comprehensive social programs and, you know, food banks and things like that. I'm hoping they do. I hope every community does, but, you know, we don't know what the situation is and how, how... easily this woman could access these resources that Latoya's like just ask for help so they put her in the car they're like oh you know we just want to keep you warm we're going to put you in the car but Latoya does like the head duck thing that cops do when they put someone in the car and then they like start driving her off to jail so she starts crying and the and Latoya asks her why and she says it's because she has two babies at home and she doesn't want to go to jail and so Latoya asks her how old she is and she says that she's 23 and so I hate this part. This is like, I don't know if this is worse than the prostitution part. I don't know. This is like right on the same level. It's like, I really fucking hate these cops sometimes. Officer Kessler, Amy, another woman, tells her, you're a mess. Don't you know how to use birth control or a condom? Because I guess like the woman's pregnant. We don't really get any like full body shots of her. So I don't see that she's visibly pregnant, but they keep referring to her being like visibly heavily pregnant. So apparently she is. So she's like, oh, you got two that you can't take of, take care of now, and now you're going to have another one on the way? Just, okay, yeah, because that's how society is set up, lady. Like, not everyone has access to, like, sex ed or birth control or condoms or abortions. Like, that's so many people end up ha- pregnant and giving birth and trying to parent multiple children because they have no other way to do it. Ugh, you guys know this obviously you know this if you're listening to this podcast if you have listened to 70 episodes of me rant about life then you know how I feel about all of this but I got so heated when I heard her say that I was so so angry so at the station LaToya has a conversation with this woman and LaToya actually has some fucking empathy for her and you know it's not ideal like the conversation that she has is not perfect it's very much sort of like what Eric said at the beginning, very like pull yourself up by your bootstrap sort of thing. But at least it's coming from a place of empathy and not a place of judgment. Um, So she's crying. The woman is crying. We don't ever get her name either, which is sad. Um, And says that she doesn't want her kids growing up in a crazy environment. There's not, we don't get the full context here. um, But from like the clues, I'm gathering that she like left an abusive partnership. um, And that's why she's currently homeless. And so LaToya asks if she's ever been in an abusive relationship, and she says, yeah, many. And so here we have, like, a moment of, like, humanity, of empathy, of relation. So LaToya goes on to tell her that she herself was in an abusive relationship for many years, and she 
was afraid to let anyone know and she was afraid to leave. And she comments on how strong this woman is for having left already and tells her that she has the strength to stay out. Like, I'm getting, like, literally choked up just, like, thinking about it because this is, you know, the kind of thing that maybe this conversation could be a turning point in this woman's life because maybe up until this moment she never had anyone in her life who gave her that kind of empathy and believed in her and told her that she was strong enough to change her life. Anyway, Stan Latoya Jackson. Um, so while while Latoya is giving her the pep talk, we have like a moment where Officer Kester is giving like an interview to camera, and she says that Latoya's spirit is good with this girl. And it's like, well, I mean, she just has like compassion. Like that's all it is. Is you can just have compassion and empathy for another human. But they still put her in the cell. She's still in fucking jail, even though she threw the hundred dollars on the ground and they gave it back to the bar and nothing like this as a nothing comes of this the woman spends the night in jail where are her kids I don't know are her kids safe do they have someone to look after them or did she just have to leave them alone while she could hopefully go scrounge for money I don't know anyway defund the police (laughs) um but Latoya is at least still speaking to her through the bars like encouraging her to turn her life around telling her that that she'll be okay so at least Latoya is still being sweet so the next scene that we get it picks up at 12 15 a.m murder suspect search with officers Osborne and Stovall. So murder suspect, now things are getting a little bit more juicy. Now we're actually utilizing police resources in a reasonable way. Um, One of the officers basically breaks down the plan for Jack and his partner. They're like meeting outside, you know, car to car, chatting through the windows. I think it's the sergeant, he says, because Jack calls him Sarge. Um, They end up following a suspect in a car and they do a car stop because they said that like, I guess the man got out of went went out of the house that they were casing and got into the car and they follow the car. There's like five police cruisers that pull up. Jack is like off to the side. He's got his gun drawn. He says in his talking head that it was actually his first time that he had pulled his gun and his adrenaline was pumping. So I that's kind of scary. I hope no one gets shot that kind of moment. Um, and then they hear over the radios that it's negative, that it's the wrong car, which I don't know how like who determined that or who said that I guess it was someone who was closer to the car and just radioed to everyone but they decide to go look at the house I it's kind of hard to tell because the editing is not very good about what the plan is here but then someone in a white car with their face blurred I think it's the third person the third smart person of the episode pulls up and says the man who shot her brother went into a house down the street so I guess that's that's the guy that they were after so the cars take off sirens are blaring jack stations himself in the backyard to guard that area because he is the rookie i guess um he does he does make this very concerning comment where he says that if like the man comes out of the back door and he has a gun he'll shoot him um because that's i feel like the man has to like threaten you he can't just be running while holding a gun um but you know it's kind that seems on brand for american police so who knows so the police enter the house and they like enter from the front door they they sweep through we see the shots but i guess they like just nab him pretty easily um and we see an interview with the man oh he also has his face blurred yeah probably for the best bro since you're a murder suspect uh he also has his shirt off um I guess he was just chilling at home that's why he has his shirt off 
Uh, but he was just like, yeah, he like interviews, even though his face is blurred, he gives an interview to the camera or he allows himself to be interviewed on camera at least. And he's like, yeah, I got, I told you I got a warrant. I ain't going to lie about that. And so they put him in the cruiser, they drive him off. And Jack has a little talking head here where he says, um, his life is just constantly changing. One day he's the son of Sharon and Ozzy Osbourne. And the next he's basically running a black ops operation with the Muncie PD to take down a murder suspect. Which I feel like that's giving yourself a lot of credit. Um, I don't think you were running the black ops operation. And also, is an ops short for operation? Maybe it's not, because I don't know. But it seems a little bit redundant there. Alright, so the next day, we have Latoya. She goes to the Muncie Medical Center, and she's going to get some therapy. She says that she needs to get over her fear of cats, because everyone has domestic animals, and she wants to improve her performance while on the police force. So basically she sits down with this therapist and the session starts out with the therapist just showing her pictures of cats. And so Latoya gets uncomfortable. She like doesn't really look at them. She has a hard time. The therapist is like, okay, you can't even look at these cats. That's, that's where we are. And so Latoya tells us in a talking head. Now she tells us now that when she was young, she saw a cat attack one of her relatives and the cat jumped on this person's neck and according to LaToya, tried to kill her and just like wouldn't, wouldn't get off of her. But didn't she say earlier that she was attacked by a cat? So I don't know what the truth is here. But yeah, she doesn't even want to look at the photos. And so the therapist is like, okay, that's fine. I'm, I'm, she, the therapist is very nice and understanding. She doesn't come off as like condescending. She just basically says like she wants to meet her where she is. And so then I guess LaToya just like has an internal debate with herself and convinces herself to be better because she like, you know, says that one part of herself was very terrified, but another part of herself was like, don't let your partner down. And so she tells the therapist that she would like to meet a cat face to face and bring her in. Um, so I don't know. I mean, obviously there's like just some different, there's some time that's passed here and this is just like sloppy editing, but it seems wild that she's like, yeah, no, I can't look at the cats. I can't even look at these photos. And then she's like, but actually, you know, bring in the cat. Bring in the, the actual animal. <laughs> so the therapist is like, all right. And she's like very enthusiastically says, I will go get that cat. And so then we see this cute, tiny little baby kitten that's just like in a cat carrier, just mewing, all sweet, a little baby. So cute. Um, and Latoya is like in the other room and she says that she can hear it and she's starting to get nervous. And she says that it's funny because she's, she's an animal lover and she loves all animals, but a cat is just different. So the therapist brings in the cat and sits it on the floor a few feet away from her. And Latoya sits there and she just kind of watches it. And the therapist says that she's very proud of her. Latoya asks if she should touch it. And the therapist is like, no, <laughs> basically like you don't have to rush yourself. You know, you can save that for another session. But Latoya's like, no, 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 I, I think I should touch it. Um, so in her talking head, she says that she was very afraid, but she had to do it. And she says that she was telling herself, you have more power than this cat. Don't give him your energy. So the therapist lifts the cat out of the carrier and she holds the cat and Latoya pets it. So there she goes. She goes from not even being able to look at pictures of the cat to petting a cat in one therapy session. Um... And she's, like, even if it's kind of, like, batting at her, just, like, you know, like, a kitten will do, like, will kind of, like, try and bat at your finger as you try to pet it. Um, she doesn't, like, freak out or anything. She just, like, keeps, you know, very gently trying to pet it. So, it's good. 
Uh, she says that she sees her triumph over her fear as a metaphor for her experience here in general. And the therapist says that she will count LaToya as one of her success stories, which I fucking would. This woman went from like a phobia to like petting a cat in 45 minutes. So now we are back on patrol, I guess. It's 945 and officers Akuna and Odell, Wee Man and Odell, um, have been called for a domestic disturbance. So dispatch says that a man tried to choke the female and she has locked herself in the back bedroom. We see them arrive outside um, the apartment complex and then we're kind of like inside the hallway on a stairwell. We kind of have like a bird's eye view as... Odell and Wee Man knock on the door. They enter. They take, bring a man out. He has hands on his head. And so outside, Wee Man speaks to the woman. She asked, or he asks her what happened. Um, so she says that she left and she went outside because the man was drunk. He was hitting her. But when she got outside, I guess the man followed her and he started like pulling on her coat and choking her. The man apparently doesn't speak any English. He's a Spanish speaker. Um, and apparently Eric Estrada is the only person on the Muncie police force that can currently speak Spanish. So they radio over to him and ask him to meet over there. Um, seems like they should have at least one other person that can speak Spanish. Like what did they do before Eric Estrada got here? So Eric arrives, he has a conversation with the man, um, in Spanish, obviously. He asks the man if he's been drinking, the man says yes. Um, the man says something and Eric translates it. He says that the man said that he got jealous because the woman shook the hand of another man. Uh, so Eric calls the man basura garbage. I'm sure I fucked up the pronunciation. I cannot, I, I try so hard you guys, but like I cannot pronounce Spanish words. It is so much easier for me to do French or Russian than Spanish. And I don't know why. And anytime I speak Spanish, I feel like, uh, I feel like a fucking gringo for sure. I just need to start speaking Spanish with a Russian accent so at least I don't sound like a dumb American. <laughs> just sound like a confused Russian. Um, so he encourages the woman to complain, uh, file a complaint so that the man can be taught a lesson, you know, have to like go in front of the judge and everything. So they cuff the man, they're going to put him, they're going to take him to jail. Um, but then like as they're doing that, he is like, talking to him about chips he's like oh I'm a big fan you know you're my idol and he just seems like very happy to be being cuffed by Eric Estrada so then at 1 a.m we have another moment another scene with officers Stratus and Temple hopefully they're not being horrible people um so this is for a suspicious person call so Trisha says in her talking head that they get a call about a man a crazy old man who's swinging a pool cue they pull up to a gas station and there's a man in a cowboy hat who comes up and talks to them and he hands them a bag, I guess, that's full of pool cues to like be like, oh, I'm no threat. Here you go. You can have them. Um, he introduces himself as Winky Dinky Super Dancing Dave and then he busts some moves. Uh, his dance style is like a little bit hip hop. It's a little bit modern dance, you know, very fresh, very cool. Um, Trish is like egging him on, telling him to keep it going. And so she says here in her talking head that they spoke to Dave and, you know, they determined that he was harmless. He's just a little bit different. And then there's a moment where he's like hitting himself, just like punching himself um, on different parts of his body, including his crotch. And they're kind of just like, oh, and he's like, oh, I'm a hard body. No pain, no pain. Um, Trish is like, OK, well, that made me a little bit uncomfortable. But then she says in her talking head that, you know, you've got to treat every person with respect no matter who they are. And even in Dave's case, even if they're a little wonky, you still got to treat them with a little respect. And she's like, okay, well, can you save that same energy for, like, sex workers, maybe? 
But no, no. Um, but they shake Dave's hand and they send him dancing on his way. And that was that. Of course, Dave is, an, is a white man. Just, I feel like I should clarify as well. Um, yes, the call for a suspicious person was for a white man. So, of course, he just, like, walked away and went about his day. Um, 1.45 a.m., it is an active warrant arrest with officers Jackson and Kessler. So, LaToya says that she's going to handle it. She tells her partner to stay in the car. Bold. I guess she's, like, really feeling that, like, she's making some strides in her career here as a police officer. So she tells us that there is a female subject who lives there and she has a warrant out for her arrest. So Latoya locks on the, knocks on the door. The woman is suspicious. We hear her from the inside asking who it is. She refuses to open the door. She asks if they have a warrant and Latoya says that she, that she does. So she needs the woman to step outside. The woman's Rhonda. <laughs> Latoya like keeps calling her Rhonda. Um, so then while they're arguing, Latoya sees there's just like this cat. It's hanging out in the yard. She gets a little bit distracted by it, but not too much. And she's still telling telling Rhonda that she has a warrant and she needs to step outside. And so she has a talking head here. When I fear the cat, I give him my power. I need to stay strong and stay powerful right now. So they continue to argue with Rhonda and I guess she like overcomes her fear because she doesn't let the cat bother her. Rhonda eventually steps outside. LaToya starts to handcuff her um, and then Rhonda starts resisting arrest. So then LaToya gets really spicy. So she like is yelling at her and is like, oh, you know, basically like don't resist, don't resist. Um, the cat runs away. And so then back at the station, LaToya explains to her partner that she went to cat therapy like that day earlier that day to get over her th- her fear and that's why she was able to like deal with the cat and so then Kessler asked her if that means when Latoya comes to visit she can leave her cat out and Latoya's like that does not mean that and so then the very last scene it ends with all of the celebrity cops having dinner breakfast whatever meal cops eat once you get off the third shift at this like abandoned restaurant that doesn't look like there's anyone else inside of it including employees but whatever um and they just talk about their nights and mission accomplished for the evening that's basically in but also uh, as the credits roll we do get this like little like last scene of wee man just singing to the entire police force i guess over the cruiser radios like we see him singing we get different shots of the various celebrities like eric and trisha i think like listening to him um and the song goes muncie muncie mpd this is we Muncie police is all I want to be. I think I probably got the melody wrong on that a little bit, but um, yeah, that's basically it. So where are our celebrities now? We are going to start with Eric Estrada. So after Armed and Famous, he appeared in the movie's Husband for Hire, which I believe was a TV film. Um, and then the 2013 movie Finding Faith, which is about like a girl who is groomed on the internet and kidnapped or something like that um so he toured did a tour with the latter aiming to educate parents on the dangers of online grooming he was a contestant on the second season second bleh, second season of the spanish univision television show mira quien vaya which i think is like watch them dance i i did not translate that correctly um, but it's basically like dancing with the stars, I'm guessing. Ten contestants are chosen to perform different styles of dancing, and each week one is eliminated. Um, he also became the spokesperson for the actual California Highway Patrol's car safety or car seats inspiration and installation program. 
And then after participating in Armed and Famous, where he was the reserve police officer in Muncie, I guess he was, like, so inspired by being in law enforcement, he actually moved to Virginia, where he was in the Internet Crimes Against Children, uh, Internet Crimes Against Children division. He was an investigator for eight years. As of July 1st, 2016, he was a police officer, a reserve police officer in St. Anthony, Idaho. And I'm not sure what he's been up to since then. He was a Republican back in like 2008. He endorsed John McCain, so I really hope he's not still a Republican, or at least he's not a Trumper. Um, Jack Osborne, uh, he has the same birthday as my husband, I realized as I was doing this research. So Jack Osborne, he produced a documentary about his father called God Bless Ozzy Osborne that premiered in April 2011 at the Tribeca Film Festival. He worked for Fuse News from February 2013 to early 2014. He also had a paranormal investigation show titled Haunted Highway that aired on Sci-Fi for two seasons, um, summers of 2012 and 2013. That might be fun to, to look into. Um, he was on Dancing with the Stars in 2013. Everyone's on a fucking dance show. If you're a celebrity, at some point you have to be on a dance show. Um, as of summer 2016, he was appearing with his father in the U.S. Uh, television show Ozzy and Jack's Worldwide. No, okay. Ozzy and Jack's World Detour, and it was on the History Channel. It was like a trout log show. Um, in 2012, he announced that he had been diagnosed with relapsing, remitting multiple sclerosis. So that is a health concern that he's been battling. And then as far as his personal life, he and his girlfriend, Lisa Stelly, had their first child in April 2012. They actually got married in October 2012. Their second child was born in June 2015, and their third was born in February 2018. All three are girls. Um, they announced their separation in May 2018, and then they finalized their divorce in March of 2019. So that's what Jack has been up to trisha stratus i like didn't know this woman but she's like she does a lot <laughs> like why didn't i know about her i guess just because like i'm not into wrestling uh so she was inducted into the wwe hall of fame in 2013 and although she had technically retired from wrestling in 2006 in 2018 she did return to wwe um, participating in the women's royal rumble and later competing in the all-female evolution event she had her final match in SummerSlam 2019, and then in 2020, she became the first woman to receive the Luthez Award from the George Tragos Luthez Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame, which, of course, I don't know who those people are. Um, after Armed and Famous, she hosted Second City's, Next Second City's Next Comedy Legend, which is like an ANTM-style show about comedy comedians. She also was the host and subject of the show Stratosphere, which debuted in 2008 on the Travel and Escape channel. Uh, basically just travels, follows her as she travels to different locations in the, the world and participates in local sports and adventure. In 2008, she also opened a yoga studio named Stratosphere in the suburbs of Toronto. So I wonder if that was like a tie-in at all or if she just really likes that name. Um, she also married her high school sweetheart, whose name is Ron Fiscio. Shortly before Armed and Famous filmed, and she actually went and filmed the show instead of going on her honeymoon. They have two children together, a son born in 2013 and a daughter who was born in 2017. Wee Man, he appeared uh, as a host of MTV's Scarred Live in July 2007. He also appeared on the first season of NBC's Celebrity Circus. He, of course, has been in all of the Jackass sequels, all the movies, Jackass, like... I think it was like two and a half, three, 3D or whatever, three and a half, <laughs> all of the ones that have come out since Armed and Famous. Um, apparently they are also filming Jackass 4 right now. 
He starred in a direct-to-video holiday film in 2012 called Elf Man. He was the title character. This was his first role in a family in a family-friendly feature film. Um, he also is an investor in the Chronic Tacos chain of restaurants. He has a couple of franchises. I think like one's closed, but one is still open. And then our girl, LaToya Jackson. So in January 2009, she was on Celebrity Big Brother UK. In July 2009, she released a single called Home, which was in honor of her brother Michael, and all proceeds went to the AIDS Project Los Angeles. Uh, actually, I didn't realize this, but I was like, you know, reading through her biography. She was actually the member of the family who requested the second autopsy after Michael Jackson's death, um, after she noticed like evasive behaviors by his doctors and like that $2 million in cash and jewels had gone missing, which is a lot. I don't know why she was the only person to notice that or if she was the only person to notice that, but she was kind of the person that raised the flags that ultimately ended up like with the coroner, was it the coroner? With someone being charged for like, Michael Jackson's death, basically. I don't know all the details of that. She took part in Celebrity Apprentice in 2011. She was also the first guest judge to appear in two episodes of RuPaul's Drag Race. She released a memoir and an EP that were both called Starting Over in June 2011. And then she had her own reality TV show called Life with, La- Life with LaToya, which ran on OWN um, from April 2013 to August 2014. She appeared on the Celebrity Edition... I cannot speak. I like feel like I'm slurring my words so much. I'm sorry, guys. She appeared on the celebrity edition of Worst Cooks in America in 2018, and she actually won. So sorry for spoiling that. I'm also sad that I got it spoiled for myself because I love Worst Cooks in America, and I would have liked to watch her season. I probably still will because I love her. Um, and then in February 2019, she was on The Masked Singer. She was the alien. So... As far as the show holds up, does it hold up? Is it worth a rewatch? Um, yes, because of LaToya Jackson. No, because it's copaganda. Like, just go into it knowing that it's copaganda. And, like, if you go into it with a fuck the police mindset, that's fine. But, like, don't watch the show and, like, come out with it, like, with come out of it with empathy for police officers in general, please. Just, like, defund the police. Um, that's it, you guys. Thank you so much for being with me once again. I really appreciate everyone who listened to my comeback episode. I'm really excited because I feel like between this episode and um, last time's the Tila Tequila episode, I feel like I have a solid play count going for my donation for um, the Angel B. Wilson Foundation. So that's very exciting. Send this to your friends. Listen to the episode. You can follow me on Instagram at Snapback to Reality Podcast. I'm on Facebook uh, no, I'm sorry. My Instagram is Snapback to Reality Pod. I think I did this last time too. My Facebook is Snapback to Reality Podcast. My personal Instagram and TikTok are now both at Riley Said So. Um, and you, if you haven't already, please subscribe and give this podcast a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and all the other places because that's very helpful. Thank you all so much for listening. I love you all a lot. Um, I'm going to be, like I said, traveling cross country by the time that this comes out. Hopefully, hopefully we'll be on the road by Tuesday morning, but we'll see. Um, So if you want to chat with me, come over to my personal Instagram and DM me because I'm going to be bored as hell for the next 40 hours while we're driving across America. All right, guys, love you. Talk to you soon. Stay safe. This is the last episode that's being released in the Trump administration, and that's very exciting. Bye.